Ah, Holmes, you're in. Good. I've been hoping you'd call, Watson. Come in, my dear fellow. Come in. Pour yourself a drink and light up a pipe. You're most welcome. Uh, well, well, it's a long time since I've seen you so happy, Holmes. Uh, not happy, Watson. Stimulated. Look, a note that was sent round earlier at breakfast time. Here, read it yourself. Oh, very well. My dear Sherlock Holmes, I am back in London for a short while. I have an apartment in Regent's Buildings, Chester Terrace. May I please call upon you late this morning? After all these years, I'm sure we shall both find the meeting most interesting. I trust you still do remember me. I really act. present the stories of Sherlock Holmes. Tonight, the return of Irene Adler. The name Irene Adler caused the years to roll away. It took me back immediately to one of Sherlock Holmes' earliest and most fascinating cases, a scandal in Bohemia. Sherlock Holmes had very rarely been defeated, and only once by a woman. That woman was Irene Adler, an Englishwoman who conquered all Europe and became the mistress of kings and princes. I've seldom seen Holmes so fascinated by the prospect of meeting anyone. Just before noon, a private carriage drawn by two splendid white horses drew up outside. I left the lady in myself. I do not recall a more beautiful or gracious visitor. I was enchanted. She lifted her veil, and two startlingly blue eyes mocked me. The faithful Dr. Watson, at last, after all these years. Oh, my honor. Now, please, come this way. I trust Mr. Holmes is expecting me. With great anticipation. Allow me. Your visitor, Holmes. Uh, shall I leave you? Certainly not. You must stay. I may need assistance now that Mr. Sherlock Holmes and I have met on his home ground. Mr. Holmes. Uh, Miss Adler. Or should I not say Mrs. Norton? Ah, you do remember that I married. <laughs> you were an unwilling witness at the ceremony, were you not? No. No, Miss Adler will do very nicely, thank you. My marriage was not the success I hoped. Ah. And may I inquire what brings you back to London? That simple fact. I am now divorced and anxious for a change. I resolutely refuse to become old before my time. I have rented the most modern apartment in the city. It has a telephone, electric light, and even a gas icebox. I shall not remain very long. Just a few weeks. Looking up my old friends. And foes? Ah, <laughs> yes, and foes. It is a very dull woman who reaches my age without making quite a few enemies. But I am not worried by the future, Mr. Holmes. I have always been able to take care of myself. I heartily agree with that. And you? Your work is still successful? I like to think so. Scotland Yard value me a little more highly than they did in your day. I am glad. That inspector's trade was such a dullard. I most certainly hope I don't meet him while I'm here. I hope you don't either. Oh, you still think of me as a dangerous woman, don't you? 
That is good. I like to leave a lasting impression. But really, I must go. I have so much to do during this short stay. Oh, I almost forgot. I'm having a small soiree at my apartment tomorrow evening. After eight, I should be tremendously flattered if you and the good doctor could attend. Is that possible? I think so. What's the good? I should be charmed. Good. Then we shall not say goodbye. Just au revoir. Until tomorrow, then, Mr. Holmes. Having created exactly the impression she desired, Irene Adler swept from the room. I showed her to her carriage. She bowed graciously while a small group of onlookers gawped by the railings. On returning to our sitting room, I found Holmes in a pensive mood. Mm. I wonder, Watson. I wonder. Oh, what, Holmes? I must say I've never seen anyone quite so, well, so captivating. Indeed? Oh, yes, her technique has not lessened with the years, but... Why, Watson? That's what I ask myself. Why? Why what? Why did you call upon me and why is she in London? It's important that I know. Holmes, I really don't follow you. Why should it not be a quite innocent visit if she now lives a totally different life? She doesn't. A leopard cannot change its spots, Watson. Irene Adler has been living in America. Her clothes may seem Parisian, but they are not. Her gloves bore the name tag of a New York department store. She's lived over there long enough to call a refrigerator an icebox. No, no, no. The lady's here for a purpose. It can only be a shameful one. I must anticipate her moves. Something to do with American crime. Oh, come, Holmes. Surely you're reading a great deal more into this than exists. I know better than to accept Irene Adler at her face value. Yes, I must warn Lestrade at the yard and check on all rumours in high society. A careful watch must be kept upon this lady's movements. And uh, the party she's holding tomorrow evening after eight, shall we attend? Oh, by all means, Watson. Oh, yes. We most assuredly will attend. Oh, Mr. Holmes. Dr. Watson, how good of you to call. Do come through and meet everyone. Allow me to introduce you. Colonel Harris. I have to admit, your lady friend sure is American. How can you allow her to invite a detective here? Keep your mouth shut. And Irene is not my lady friend. We've only been introduced. Get it? And these two are American friends to whom I've just been introduced. They're from New York. Uh, friends of my ex-husband. Hank Madison and Jervis Amos. Mr. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. John Watson. Pleasure to meet you. How do you do, Miss Madison? Is this your first visit here from America? Uh, yeah. <laughs> As a matter of fact, it is. It feels kind of strange, but delightful. Everything is so <laughs> old, you know what I mean? <laughs> I fancy so, yes. Are you from New York? In the jewelry business? No, no, no. I'm a banker. Uh, oh, what a pity. I was so wishing to talk to an American about the true value of the Baltimore diamond. Did you say the Baltimore diamond? Yeah, that's right. I believe that it is in London and that it may be put up for sale. That is, if a private buyer cannot be found very soon. The trouble is that no one seems to know its true value. Did I hear you mention the value of the Baltimore diamond? Oh, how exciting. The fact is that they do say a crime head of Scandinavia has already purchased it at a price beyond belief. <laughs> Certainly no one I know can afford it. Oh, but come, Mr. Holmes. I will not have you monopolized by anyone. I must show you the rest of the apartment. But first, a drink? I know you will not like fancy drinks. But something cool, perhaps. Most pleasant. And here, help yourself. 
See? The cupboard that contains the decanters has a small icebox. Open it and... There are round trays which are filled with ice. Isn't that so very convenient? Small enough to pop straight into a glass. I love this apartment. And here, my elegant golden telephone. By turning the handle several times after lifting the receiver, you can ask the operator for any number in Greater London. Isn't that so exciting? Do you think you will ever catch a criminal by making a telephone call, Mr. Holmes? Oh, is that drink to your satisfaction? Because if so, do come and meet me. We didn't stay at the soiree very long. It was the sort of gathering that Sherlock Holmes despised. A number of false people wearing set smiles, engaging in small conversation with earnest intensity. I wondered if it had been at all worthwhile. In the handsome going home, Holmes answered my unspoken thoughts. I think it was worth going to, Watson. It's extremely tiresome, of course, but it served its purpose. Oh, you really feel that, Holmes? Well, I confess I've never felt more like a fish out of water. I gleaned a few interesting facts. I was right, Watson. There is mischief afoot. It concerns that man, Hank Madison, and the Baltimore Diamond. Yes, I don't know what form the trouble will take. It's not my job to police the whole of London, but Scotland Yard must be alerted. A crime is about to be committed. The strayed at the Yard has a job of work to do. For the next few days, Holmes was engaged in serious discussions with Scotland Yard. He used to return home in the evenings irritable and frustrated. The strayed refused to take his warnings seriously. In the end, Holmes gave up. He'd done his best. Matters came to a head three days later, when Lestrade burst into our sitting room. Holmes! Holmes, this happened! Curse it! I was a blind fool! You were right, damn it! You were right all the time! Uh, come in, Lestrade. Now do calm down. Tell me what brings you here in such a sorry state. It's, it's the Baltimore Diamond. It, it's been stolen. Now calm down, Lestrade. I can understand your frustrations, but as the deed has been done, we must now apply our minds to a solution. Wearing a pathway into my carpet will not solve anything. No, sorry, Holmes. It, it, it's just so, so impossible. If the crime involves Irene Adler, then nothing is impossible. Could it have been her? Well, of course it is. I've warned you repeatedly that this would happen. Now, as you seem incapable of coherent action or even logical thinking, I suggest we take a four-wheeler and go straight to Regent's Building, Chester Terrace. You will not have a warrant to search the apartment, but that can be argued about later. While we're on the way there, you can explain the circumstances in which the crime was committed. Uh, Watson, I take it that you do not wish to be left out of this? Oh, certainly not. You get your coat, Holmes, and I'll get the four-wheeler. Within minutes, we were out of Baker Street and into a cab, topping our way down Park Road. The strange, who had been impressed by Holmes' keen composition, pulled himself together somewhat and answered the questions that were thrown at him. Knowing Irene Adler, the robbery would not have been an armed one. It would be a case of deception with a deal of audacity. Not so? Uh, quite correct, Holmes. As you may know, the Baltimore Diamond was sent to this country to gain a European sale. It's been held by Samuel Twiggs of Bond Street. Though Twiggs handles the select transactions himself. He has private rooms above the shop with a strong room. A few days ago, Madame Louise Dubois suggested and requested an interview and asked to see the Baltimore Diamond. She gave full credentials, which were extremely impressive. The twigs unlocked the safe and showed her the jewel. It is exquisite. Quite exquisite. I am determined to possess it. Oh, I, I, I'm sure Madame will wear it with a great distinction. I think as a pendant, a single setting to lie low on the neck. 
Monsieur, I shall, of course, not carry out this transaction by myself. I have the, uh, the patronage of the young Earl of Sandown. It is uh, a delicate matter, uh. you understand? Our relationship? Oh, yes. Uh, uh, yes, yes, I think so. Complete secrecy must be observed. The Earl's family. Uh, may we consider a rendezvous? The Earl, myself, yourself... And the diamond. Oh, I have no doubt it could be arranged. It would have to be at a discreet venue. The Langham Hotel, perhaps. The small private business room? That is easily planned. Oh, at your convenience, madame. I think Friday afternoon at three o'clock. Can you manage that? Oh, I shall uh, make a point of it, of course. Very good. That is decided. Oh, there is one small matter. Mm -hmm. The heir is very young, very well known, and naturally this... Purchase must be conducted discreetly. He will not use his own name when you meet. He always calls himself Dr. Westbury when he travels incognito. Oh, very wise, very wise. Yes, I often do that myself. Twigs of Bond Street is also too well known. I am known as Mr. J. Marsh, a commercial traveler when undertaking a delicate mission such as this. Oh, that is most satisfactory. May I then arrange for a meeting at the Langham Hotel on Friday at three between Dr. Westbury, Mr. J. Marsh, and myself, uh, not forgetting the small article that lies in the case before us. Thank you so much, Mr. Twiggs. I do hope the transaction is successful. Uh, Barini Adler, all right. Blonde wig, French accent. She could fool anyone. After all, she was a famous theatrical star. Well, go on, Miss Spade. What happened next? Clearly, there was no Earl of Sandown. No, but there was and is a Dr. Westbury. And according to him, a French lady, Madame Louise March, visited him in his consulting rooms in Harley Street that same day. She was very distressed. It was regarding her husband. It, uh, it really is so, uh, so embarrassing, Doctor. You see, my husband, he, uh, he is suffering from, uh, from the brain fever. I do not know what I can do. He, he acts quite normally until these attacks, and then, then afterwards he... Uh... Please do not distress yourself, Madame Marsh. Tell me frankly all about your husband. Well, I, I am a French woman. Uh, my husband he is English, and far older than I am. You will appreciate that there are difficulties in such a marriage. I am able to deal with most of them, but lately James has, uh, has been suffering from, uh, from delusions. He... He keeps wishing to give me gifts, expensive ones that he cannot afford. He he imagines he is a, a wealthy jeweler. He really believes he is such a man. Oh, if you could only speak with him, see his state of mind for yourself. Why did you not bring him along here today? Oh, oh, but that is impossible. He would never consent. But perhaps if uh, if we met privately, a, a friendly meeting to to humour him. Let him talk of selling jewelry. He is harmless enough. But you could observe his behavior. Perhaps prescribe something to calm him when he talks wildly. I, I, I really love him very much, but I cannot continue like this. Please, won't you help me? Of course I will, madame. And now, when can I see him? Well, uh, we are at the Langham Hotel for a few days. If you could call there on Friday afternoon, say at three o'clock, I could introduce you as a friend. We might have tea served in one of the private rooms. You could talk together. I could leave you alone to speak privately. Is that satisfactory, Doctor? Could you manage Friday at three o'clock? Oh, yes. It's Irene Adler, all right. 
The meeting was held yesterday afternoon, not so? Both the jeweler and the doctor, dazzled by Madame Dubois' charm, didn't doubt her sincerity. Yes, they all three met at planned with the Baltimore Diamond. Uh, that is so. Both Twiggs and Westbury, aware that they were dealing with the most delicate problem, were most cautious at their meeting. I can well imagine it. Irene Adler at her theatrical best, playing her cards with consummate skill. Ah, so you two have met at last. Tea is served. And uh, now we must talk business. Uh, the jewel. Uh, I have it here for your inspection, Doctor. Oh, Oh, may I? Oh, yes. Yes, is it not magnificent? <laughs> oh, of course I shall be so proud to accept it. Oh, the price? Can we afford it? Oh, you must have it. I, I insist. No one else could do it justice. Uh, don't you agree, uh, uh, Doctor? I, I'm sure you're right, Mr. Marsh. But uh, we need to talk about a great number of things. A consultation. Oh, I am discretion itself, I assure you. I've had so much experience in these things. That, uh, I, uh, I shall require the uh, usual credentials, of course. Place yourself entirely in my hands. Oh, if you two gentlemen are about to talk uh, intimate business, then with permission, I shall wait in the adjoining room. Uh, may I take my tea? Oh, thank you. Please do not hurry. I have plenty of time. Go into things most thoroughly, won't you? Call me when you have finished. And so she leaves them together, taking her tea and the Baltimore diamond with her. The jeweler and the doctor are left to discuss their business at completely cross purposes, neither daring to offend the other with straight talk for some time. It must have been a good ten minutes before they realized the truth. But they'd been tricked into thinking the other person was a different person. By that time, the French madame had vanished with the diamond. Is that it, Lestrade? That is it, exactly. And what steps have you taken? An immediate alert. All the usual procedures, descriptions, etc. Totally ineffective. It's even a waste of time questioning Irene Adler. You'll find that with the help of her two new American friends, she'll have a perfect alibi. Then what are we to do, Holmes? It's all very well arriving at her apartment in a few minutes' time without a search warrant, but if she is guilty of this cunning robbery, she could have disposed of the diamonds by now. Oh, no, 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 that she will not do. You do not know the lady as I do. She's delighting in this deception. That's the reason why she came to me in the first place. Yes, she got the better of me once, years ago, and now she thinks she can do it again. Now, but look, we're turning into Chester Terrace. Things will become quite interesting very soon, I think. Regent's Buildings, Chester Terrace, was almost deserted. And the butler at Irene Adler's apartment informed us that his mistress was out riding in the park with the American, Hank Madison. Lestrade introduced himself, and the butler recognized Holmes and myself from the evening of the party, and we were shown in. A pile of luggage stood in the passage. Madame Adler was due to leave for the continent. Lestrade was all for a thorough search of the cases and the rest of the apartment, but Holmes restrained him and insisted that we sat quietly and waited. To my surprise, although the hour was early, Holmes mixed himself a strong drink with ice before joining us. We waited for some time before... Why, Mr. Holmes, Dr. Watson, and can it be, after all these years, Inspector Lestrade of Scotland Yard? Well, what a surprise. Uh, you know my friends, Mr. Hank Madison and Mr. Jervis Amos. Uh, Glad to meet you. Hello there, uh, Holmes. Uh, Good day to you. And pray, why am I so honored by three guests? I hope the matter isn't all that serious, for the three of us are about to leave on my tour of Europe. I know that, madame, but I must first insist that a thorough search be made of this apartment and all your personal belongings. 
The Baltimore diamond has been stolen, and we believe you are responsible. I beg your pardon. Oh, you can't be serious. Oh, but of course you may search as much as you please. Tell me, when was this diamond stolen? Yesterday afternoon at three o'clock from the Langham Hotel. Indeed. Oh, that must have been while we were riding in the park. I guess so. I called for Madame Adler at 2.45. We were out in the park until after four. Ah, Many people saw us. I was looking at my best, I think, in a green and yellow gown with white accessories. There were photographers out there. I refused to pose, but they must have photographed us in the carriage. So you see... I told you that Madame would have an alibi. And I really do think it will be a waste of time to conduct a search. It's both inconvenient and undignified. Do please continue with your investigations in the manner you think fits the straight, but allow Watson and I to retire. Uh, I shall say goodbye now. Goodbye, Irene Adler. I think it most unlikely that we shall ever meet again. Are you ready, Watson? I couldn't have been more amazed. In all my years with Sherlock Holmes, I'd never known him throw in the towel over a case. But he remained unperturbed. And instead of ordering a cab to take us home, he suggested a walk through Regent's Park. There, sitting by the lake watching the ducks, he said... Like to smoke a pipe, Watson? Oh, I feel in no mood for smoking, Holmes. Just what are you thinking about, allowing that woman to get the better of you like that? She hasn't got the better of me, Watson. Here, take my tobacco pipe. Well, I don't really wish to... Oh, what's all this about? This pouch is soaking wet and the, and the, the tobacco is drenched. Well, what's this mean? You, you can't smoke this soggy stuff. Look deeper into the pouch, Watson. Uh, gracious me, it's, a, it's the diamond. Holmes, I don't understand. It's simple. Irene Adler obtained the diamond by impersonating Madame Dubois. She had an alibi because her American friend, Jervis Amos, who's a young man of slight build... Dressed in her clothes and was taken for a ride in a carriage all yesterday afternoon by Hank Madison. When she got back to her apartment, she dropped the diamond into a tray of her fancy ice box, where it lay frozen and concealed. Uh, I found it there when I helped myself to a drink. Oh, Holmes, Holmes, this is... it's amazing. She worked it out wonderfully well, didn't she? But then, so did I. For I was able to refill the ice tray with water and drop a valueless glass imitation in place of the diamond. Yes, I do hope this trade takes a long time to allow the ice to set. <laughs> it's rather important to me that Irene Adler doesn't discover how she's been tricked until she reaches Amsterdam. Most satisfactory teaching her a lesson after all these years. Don't you agree, Watson? Listen again next Sunday to The Stories of Sherlock Holmes with Graham Armitage's Holmes and Kerry Jordan as Dr. Watson.